Welcome to the John Brown University Chapel podcast, recorded in the historic Cathedral of the Ozarks in Salem Springs, Arkansas. Our speaker for Relationships Week was Woody Morwood. Woody has been involved in young adult and student ministries for over 30 years. He earned his Doctorate of Ministry at Azusa Pacific University and currently serves as campus pastor at Hillside Community Church in Rancho Cucamonga, California. Woody comes to us as guest of the Center for Healthy Relationships. Good morning, JBU. How are you? All right, couple. Uh, we got another location. I learned about A, B, and C. Which groups are in here today? And the others are in the other pavilion, the other venue. Hello, I'm waving to you through the camera. It's so good to see you guys today. I found out something new today. Derek, we've only had a couple of moments to talk together. I didn't know I had two boys. Everybody's got to get the real news here. I have a daughter and a son, but you didn't know. It's my bad. But I was sitting there going, oh, no, I got a third kid somewhere. I got to figure this out. I got to pay for college all over again. Uh, my daughter is 24 and my son is 21. And uh, I got to tell you this. I bring you greetings from my church, Hillside Community Church, as well as my family, because all day so far today, I've been getting text messages that they are praying for you and they are praying for me. My daughter works at CHL. LA Hospital. She's in the cardiac unit. My daughter is a, a NICU nurse and she works at Pomona Valley. And on the overnight shift and in the morning shift, as they both went to the hospitals, they have been praying for you. They don't know your names. They don't know your faces. But JBU know that you've been prayed for. The prayer team at my church is praying for you. And I think I found out good reasons why. Um, is it true some of you just finished midterms? Some of you are now in midterms and some of you have midterms due next week. It's kind of like a three-week process. How many of you are exhausted beyond belief and uh, you can sleep with your eyes open right now? Please don't do that. I promise I got really good stuff. Uh, you guys had homecoming weekend. Did that go okay? Yeah? All right. And you guys are now enough weeks into the semester that you're trying to figure out a rhythm and a groove. Some of you... This feels like the first time you've been back together. My son, who I didn't talk about yet, is a senior at APU, and I had no idea that we would get a roommate back at home the last two years. APU has, because of COVID stuff in Los Angeles and everything else, he has been at home and doing everything online. He never knew in a million years that he would spend his half of his sophomore year. He got pulled out of South Africa and his entire junior year at home, and he's finally back as a senior. And here's what I'm hearing him talk about that some of you might be experiencing and even what I remember from all the times that I was at APU. There are a ton of disappointing and not followed through expectations. Does anybody have those right now? There's one, the man in the blue mask wins a prize. You know what I'm talking about, right? When you have expectations for something that you hope will happen in the future and it doesn't happen, there's a little bit of disappointment. There's something that I will call a, a death of a dream. You have built up in your mind what should be reality. And when it doesn't happen, it's really discouraging. And sometimes those expectations are related to what we're going to be focused on this week around relationships and friendships. My son, who I mentioned a little bit ago, had the primo couch that he made store in my garage for two years 
because he couldn't go back to school. And he showed up and his roommates got there before him. How many of you had roommates that moved in before you did and they already hung all their posters and flags? And right now you're like, oh, sorry, that's like a, a sore subject. And he showed up there and his leather couch, guess where the only space was for his leather couch? The back patio. It is now the outdoor couch. And he was calling me on the phone. He goes, dad, we talked about this, but they already decided, they already moved all this stuff in. Expectations. People are trying to figure out uh, at my son's school when they're doing road trips, when they're doing different things and they're having to navigate all the protocols, all the guidelines and relationships and friendships in this season are something that are just really challenging. And it's kind of what I want to drill in on and talk with you guys about today, but I don't want to do it from my perspective. I would love to give you some scripture that could change things. Now, I know there's a lot of different traditions and uh, denominations represented in any Christian university. At APU, we had 56 different denominations and traditions. So no matter how we ever did chapel, it didn't work for everybody. So we mixed it up all the time. And one of the things that we used to do that I would like to do with you today, and it's not just out of reverence or respect. It's actually, I know you had midterms. I'm trying to get the body moving a little bit. I would love to read scripture if I could get the other location and this location would you be willing to do this? Get the blood moving, open up your hearts, open up your ears, and would you be willing to stand while I read a crazy passage out of Isaiah? All right, everybody, join me as we get ready to read some scripture here. I don't know if any of you have read this passage recently, but this is the passage I want you to hear now. It's out of Isaiah, and it's a one that will shape our entire conversation today. Here's what it says. Isaiah chapter 11, six through nine. The wolf shall live with the lamb. The leopard shall lie down with the kid. The calf and the lion and the uh, fatling together. And a little child shall lead them. The cow and the bear shall graze. Their young shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like the ox. The nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp and the weaned child put its hand on the otter's den. Then they will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the full knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. Let me pray and then you can sit down. Lord, I cannot bring justice to how imaginative, mysterious, and impactful your word is. But I pray your Holy Spirit would challenge and move and work something new in me first who needs transformation daily and everyone that's in the sound of my voice. God, would you make us into the friends, the neighbors, the community you want us to be and help Isaiah come alive. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can be seated. So if you are a part of a traditional uh, kind of liturgical setting, or if you have ever gone to a Christmas gathering or service, you kind of hear this passage at Christmas time. And a lot of that is because in Isaiah chapter six, the first couple of verses, there's actually some different language that is happening there. Do you guys know what it is? It talks about the root or the stump of Jesse. Uh, there's a prophetic vision here. There's an imagination of what could be possible. 
Now, here's what's really key about this. It's early in Isaiah, so it's not way farther away where everybody's in Babylon, everybody's been shipped off. There's kind of like this, Jerusalem is unsettled. Some people have already gotten the boot and there's just this complexity of nothing seems right. They're in the middle of internal crisis. They're in the middle of this upheaval. They're in the middle of nothing seems normal. Does that sound familiar? I have never lived or visited Arkansas before, but what I see on the news is it doesn't matter where you live. The last two years have been unsettled, different, chaotic, and wild for everybody and anybody. I think they were feeling the same thing when Isaiah brought this vision, this imagination of what could be possible. And it was a vision and imagination that would be so different than the people that heard it for the first time. Or now we as Christ followers try to imagine it as this is possible through Christ, through what Jesus can do in us, still seems impossible. A little bit of a heaviness and a little bit of a wildness trying to imagine, is this even possible? As you guys heard this imagery and this vision in here, there's probably a bunch of different moments where you're like, oh, that sounds great. That's probably going to be heaven because there's no way it's going to happen here on earth. You should see my room or you should see my group of friends. You should see how we don't get along or do get along. And probably every person in here could give a little bit of insight of what they imagine friendships to be, what they could be at their greatest moments or at their worst moments. When I got the phone call from Dr. Oliver to see if I'd be willing to come and preach to you and he mentioned friendships, do you know I thought of two scenarios of friend moments that I had back in college? One was an interesting moment. It's the maddest I've ever seen anyone before. My friend and I were sitting on the couch. The whole uh, apartment looked like a, a typical college apartment where we didn't have enough money for furniture. There was three mattresses in the bedroom and uh, uh, dirty laundry everywhere. The living room had five different meals laying on every plate uh, paper and real. Uh, there was video games going on and everything else. And my third roommate walked in and he walked straight in the kitchen. And all of a sudden I hear him scream at the top of his lungs, who left out the beeping butter? And he goes into a tirade of what we had no idea was in his home and in his home state, you don't leave the butter out because it melts everywhere and it doesn't taste good. It was a moment of chaos and it took us almost a week to work through it over butter. And I remembered another moment. I remembered a moment coming out of a daze because if you see me on campus and we're roaming around and we're doing stuff and you see me shooting up, just know I'm a type 1 diabetic and I love insulin because it keeps me alive and I do like 5-10 shots a day. But as a college student, I was sitting there and all of a sudden... I was doing this new medication that I had never done before and didn't understand how fast it worked. And one day I woke up in the back of an ambulance with my roommate standing around me because not only did I have a moment where one was yelling about the beeping butter, but had another moment where they all rose to the occasion and went, we will do anything and everything for our friend. Got me to the hospital, followed the ambulance, brought me clothes, did everything. And so when I think about this imagery and this, and I think about my son's experience, I think about 20,000 APU students that went through that university while I was there as a campus pastor, I know that this business of relationships and friendship stuff is real for you. And a lot of you are just like a Google search right now on friendship is, top results, hard, inauthentic, discouraging, and overwhelming. 
But Isaiah just painted an image for us that I want you to think about today. There's a photo that I uh, put together uh, and had uh, uh, just really a moment where I want you to stare at it. It's old. It's from the 1800s. The painter is Edwards Hicks, and he was an American folk painter. What's so great is he originally was painting houses. He was doing furniture. He was trying to raise money as he was a pastor. And he started painting Isaiah 11, and he would name them the Peaceable Kingdom. What's crazy about his paintings is he would paint them, and he mostly gave them to friends and would occasionally sell them. I'll give you some more details about this painting at the end, but what I want you to do for a second is I want you to imagine the imagery that I've been hinting at, and I want you to think about it a little bit more because it is really a radical vision that I know I have not fully lived into and have not figured out. This Isaiah 11 um, really reminds us of what only God can pull off that you and I can't. Look at all those pictures in there. You have an ox and you have a lion. Is there any way that they're going to get along? Probably only in some crazy uh, random Facebook or YouTube video or movie where somebody found one ox and one uh, lion that can actually get along for five minutes. But the truth is we know one would devour the other. You got the leopards and a, a goat. Uh, together, what would happen there? It's dinner time. Or could you imagine these leopards knowing that they're supposed to have a different identity, a different style of friendship, a different style of relating, and somebody walks in and the leopard has the, uh, their mouth around the leg of the goat or the lamb, and somebody says, what are you doing? Uh, nothing, I'm just, just tasting it. I promise I won't bite down, I won't destroy, I won't ruin. And you got all these different setups. You got the wolf and the lamb, and all I can think about is Yellowstone. That's not going to work. The wolf will always win. The leopard and the kid taking a nap together. The calf and the lion hanging out, and the diet has changed. A lion doesn't eat hay. A bear and a cow and their little ones hanging out together. I've been to Alaska. Bears do not hang out with little cows. They eat them. And then the infant and the viper. Moms love their kids. They don't stick them next to a viper's nest or an adder's nest and have them put their hands in it. And the reason that this imagery is so shocking is because what it says at the end of this passage in a, a verse nine is that they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. I mentioned early on, about how the stump and the root of Jesse was mentioned in the first five verses. That in a dead-end moment when Jerusalem and the Israelites were finding themselves being shipped off and headed out to really be away from home and life, when everything was turned upside down, when their sin and brokenness had caught them, Isaiah was already painting a vision that God wants to do something new in a dead place. That God wants to do something new in a dead season. And students, I've been praying for you because you are probably no different than any other of all those 15 years of APU students that I worked with. You are developing and deciding who you will be and what expectations you will have for the world. Uh, you have ideas and visions and uh, things you want to become and friendships that you want to have. And you are probably on the hunt for friends. You probably have a list of what it means to have a great friend and what characteristics they should have, what they enjoy doing, what you can relate about and everything else. And can I just tell you that right now this Isaiah vision radically flips all those assumptions and expectations that I have 
and you have. Because when God reigns on a holy mountain, when Jesus Christ comes as the stump, the root of Jesse comes from that and brings a new possibility, friendships and relationships can look different than anything that we imagined. I got to tell you, I got so many issues when it comes to friendship because I have high expectations and I have lots of assumptions. I want someone almost like myself. Wouldn't they be really fun to hang out with? Wouldn't it be great to have a best friend just like me that loves to surf, loves to uh, exercise, loves to watch certain shows, loves to stay up late, loves to dot, 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 dot. By the way, do you know if I found someone just like myself, I probably wouldn't like them. (laughs) Because guess what? This guy right here has a lot of issues and a lot of things that God wants to transform. The reason that Isaiah gave this really just beautiful vision of what's possible is because there needs to be an appetite shift. I want you guys to imagine something different with your assumptions. I want you to imagine something different with your expectations. What if you looked at the rest of the semester and instead of saying, I can't wait for people to befriend me, I can't wait for people to be there for me, I can't wait for dot, 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 and instead say, I can't wait to see what God would stir in me so I could be the friend that God would call me to be to anyone and everyone that needs it. I know there's a Christian university. I know the one that I worked at for 15 years was a Christian university, and sometimes we lived up to banners like Christ overall. Sometimes we lived up to things like head, heart, and hands. And there were other moments, man, we are just like the bear, the lion, the leopard, the viper, and we are just as aggressive as everybody else. Oh, God, please save the day. You know what's interesting about this passage that maybe you're thinking about that I'm thinking about? When we first read it, I bet all of you could have named a bear or a lion or a viper that you feel like is aggressive and not nice to you and treats you not so well. And even though they have a mask on, they have a great set of eyes and they could tell, you could tell that they are just staring you down like there's no tomorrow. As I prayed over this passage, do you know what was so great that God did inside of me? It reminded me that half the time that I'm looking for the bear, the lion, the viper that aren't behaving, the truth is there's a lot of bear tendency, viper tendencies, and lion tendencies inside of me that I never even pay attention to. You guys have a lot of things working against you. I, like you, for many months have been living kind of in a cave. We were asked to stay at home. We were asked to have six feet apart. We were asked to do everything possible to watch out for the vulnerable and everybody else so nobody would get sick. We don't want to see anybody else die. But in that, this doing a crazy hope-filled zoo got really complicated. By the way, that's the title that I love for this chapter. If I could have written the Bible and put a title at the top of chapter 11, it would have been crazy hope-filled zoo that everything that has happened through this pandemic has actually made me a little bit more used to, I love my, my lab. And if it's just me and Ellie and my two kids and my wife, I think it's a little bit easier. I don't have to bump up in the crazy hope-filled zoo because it's difficult. JBU, here's what I've been praying for you at the beginning of Relationships Week and everything that's happening here in this conversation around friendship would you begin to have an imagination that is so radical that the wolf and the lamb could hang out together, the leopard and the kid could take a nap, 
The calf and the lion and even their yearlings could hang out together. The bear and cow would change their appetite and not devour, ruin, or destroy each other. And even the infant could play in the viper den because where God is at work and reigns, radical things can happen. I heard you guys have students that share on Sunday nights every couple weeks, right? You put together a little sermon possibility and you turn it in. I heard three weeks ago you had somebody that crushed it. They kind of were talking about this a little bit. And the words that they were using I heard was that in order to be able to have a great friend or to get to know someone or do life with someone, you don't have to have that magic, you don't have to have everything line up perfectly where you like vinyl or, I don't know, whatever it is that you're into. You can be the most different people in the world, but where God reigns on his holy mountain, there could be a friendship that's built more on sacrifice, longevity, dependency, encouragement. Uh, the sacrifice that could happen in friendships could change everything. I don't know if you guys are dealing with these things, so I'm going to point at APU because I was there 15 years ago. And if it's similar to here, ah, just welcome to, to college campuses. It is what it is. When I uh, uh, left uh, APU 15 years ago, one of the biggest conversations was something we called the to-go box conversation. It was before the pandemic, and the university tried to make things easier for everyone and they got to-go boxes because people were studying and everybody had to get out of class as soon as possible. And what we discovered was we didn't just make life easier and more academic and more productive for everybody. We also unintentionally created a moment where people were now choosing to go watch Netflix nonstop or go sit in a room because it was safer and easier and less complicated than trying to be with other people. We never got it figured out. I don't know if that's something that happens here. And I know with all the protocol and the guidelines and everything else, we are in a habit of distancing rather than moving towards each other. I came up with a couple of phrases that might help you guys think about this passage. If we are moving in the Isaiah 11 theme, things like diversity, safety, inclusion will be what's more natural than not natural. When there's moments when you go, man, it'd be so much easier just to go sit by myself, be alone. And by the way, those moments are needed for health and everything else. But if that becomes my norm, and by the way, because the last two years, it does start to feel like my norm more often, that I actually have to pay for God reigning on his holy mountain and now giving me the strength again to move towards people rather than away from people. Here's something else that we had at APU that you might connect with or realize. Do you know how we're trying to promote friendship and connectivity and people doing life together and having commonality, but people were telling me because of the dating scene and uh, the significant other and the DTRs and everything else, that you couldn't even do a natural friendship where you walked across campus with somebody else because everybody automatically assumed and wanted to project and decide, oh, something's happening. And they're like, no, I'm just trying to live a godly friendship. That in some ways, the ideologies, the expectations, the assumptions that we bring into life sometimes work everything against this passage of Isaiah actually becoming a reality. I feel really challenged as I sat with about seven of your students, a bunch of juniors, a, a couple of seniors. And uh, it was really neat because they spent time defining what friendship was. And then I asked them two questions. One question was, do you have a friend like that? And the second question is, are you a friend like that? 
JBU, I'd ask that of you. As you think about this passage and you think about the radical nature of what God was calling the people to be in the Old Testament, what God has given us an opportunity with Jesus now in the future, there is a radical way of what friendship can look like that's different than anything you've ever imagined. Here's probably the easiest way I would say it. JBU, I want you to think about this. If, if you are stuck on affinities, if you are stuck on what do I have in common with somebody, I think the only affinity in the kingdom of God and with the power of the Lord Jesus Christ at work in me and through me is do they have a heartbeat and is the blood moving so that I could do life with them? Can I give you the craziest example in the world? When I was a college pastor down in San Diego, it was right during uh, the second war that was in Iraq. And uh, it, it had been an interesting time because San Diego was full of tons of military, lots of Marines and everything else. And we had a guy by the name of Zach, whose real name was Zach E, uh, that was a part of our group. And one of the Marines that was at Camp Pendleton started hanging out and they ended up in a Bible study together. Uh, Zachy had an accent and uh, could tell that probably somewhere in the Middle East he was from that area. And uh, of course, uh, the young Marine was always wearing all of his Marine stuff. And they were sitting in this Bible study. And as they were discovering and moving towards each other rather than away from each other, they discovered that they were potentially in different foxholes, either shooting or praying at the same time. Because Zach, whose real name was Zachy, was forced into the Iraq army as a Christian and told he had to fight or they would take his life. And the Marine on the other side, who was told because of his service and was bought into what he was doing, was trying to create freedom, went to that space. And you had two Christ followers who were stuck in the middle of a giant political, just regional, chaotic scenario that a couple years later found themselves in a Bible study and had to figure out and think through what friendship was. And it didn't take long when God was reigning on his holy mountain and Jesus Christ was giving them the ability to do life together. I gotta tell you, one of my favorite things about being a Christ follower and seeing what God does in this world is I have seen examples where God is doing this in small little places and large places. I got to go to Rwanda about 10 years ago and one of the uh, members of the tribes that was there, you have the Tutsis and the Hutsis, they were sitting there and he was pointing to all the different family members at a graveyard that had been killed and then he pointed to the other graveyard and he goes, but now I have friends and who I call Christian family and friends in the other uh, graveyard family because we will not allow the divisions and the things that tell us that we should be against one another. I want to end today with some things for you to think out about Luke. In Luke chapter 10, it's one of my favorite New Testament passages because Jesus is always challenging and always pressing. And if you think about this Luke chapter 10, uh, verse 27, it's the whole thing about uh, how they come together and they do life and these Pharisees are asking hard questions. And in this entire passage, you have this whole theme where Jesus tells the parable of the Good Samaritan. You guys know it, right? Three different people walk across the path of somebody that got beat up and robbed. And at the very end of this Luke parable passage, Jesus asks, which one was the best neighbor? You had the two religious ones that moved away from them. And then you had the Samaritan that moved towards him. And there's a little Greek word in there when the whole thing gets summed up at the end that I think about and challenges me in so many different ways is the word eloos. And the word is actually for mercy, 
And the word that's there for mercy is actually has a definition that's really shocking. It talks about uncertain affinity. That mercy word can be used for God this way, and it can be used for relationship this way. And as I think about friendships and I think about who I am drawn to and who I kind of back away from, who I assume is a bear, a viper, a a leopard or something else that I could never really have anything in common with because they would devour me. And the truth is half the time I'm the one that would devour them. In this Luke parable, when the answer is the one who had mercy on them, the Greek definition of that is the one who was willing to have an uncertain affinity and show mercy that creates a relationship. JBU, if you're like me, a 50-year-old old fogey, if you are like every university I've spoken at, or even APU that I worked 15 years, your tendency, your expectations, your hopes and desires are where are the friends that I can get safety, where I can get affinity, where I can have something in common, where we'll get along from the very beginning. And sometimes we spend an endless lifetime looking for those. And if we get this vision of the Old and the New Testament, the parable of the Good Samaritan, it isn't, hey, Jews, go look for your fellow Jews, someone that looks like you, thinks like you, speaks like you, eats like you, does life like you. But instead, go look for the one that has uncertain affinities that could create a friendship based on the living God who wants to change everything radically. I want to put this painting back up here at the very end because there's something pretty powerful about it that uh, uh, really kind of continues to help me know that this is a lifetime of a vision that is not going to be easily done. In this painting, he painted this over a hundred times. Everyone's a little bit different. And as a a Quaker, and by the way, the Quaker denomination, a society of friends, he was showing that he was constantly trying to figure out what it would look like to live in a peaceable kingdom, or what I call the hope-filled zoo. What it would look like to have friendships with uncertain affinities. What would it look like to move towards people rather than away from people? And this was painted over 100 times with many of the same animals and creatures because I think he was trying to get his friends to figure out what it looked like. He was trying to figure out what it was going to look like. And can I tell you, until Jesus comes again, you and I will constantly be begging God to help us move towards that. And JBU, guess what? I believe you are in the greatest Petri dish of all time. You have four years where you're going to be around people that are different than you. You have a chance to practice right now what that looks like. I mentioned to you my daughter. She uh, works at CHLA, Children's Hospital of Los Angeles. And uh, she comes home every night and tells me about the new friendships, the uncertain affinities that she is creating that God is helping her create people she would have never gotten along with, respiratory therapists, other nurses, staff members, custodians, and God is opening up in her calling and vocation one of the greatest family of friends that she has ever had that are all pointing to God is up to something creative. In those safe spaces, in those friendships, in those she's moving towards people rather than away from them, they're saying things like, I've never felt safe enough to ask somebody this question. Things like, I've never been included. Uh, You always watch out for me and make sure somebody else will come sit and eat with me. JBU, 
you have a chance to begin to practice that type of friendship here so that you can leave here and go live it out different. Doesn't matter if you're a bear, a viper, a cobra, doesn't matter if you're a lamb, a goat, or a little child, God is up to something and wants to do something new in you. I'd love to pray for you guys as you head off to class and all the fun mid-semester stuff, but I mostly want to pray that God will give you wisdom to begin to live out this vision. Lord Jesus, thank you for this university. Thank you for this place. Thank you for what you are beginning to do. God, I pray that you are stirring in the hearts of people right now that know that friendship is something that uh, maybe has been put on the back burner or moving towards people is not the most easy or the most comfortable or maybe even I got my type five and I don't need any others. God, would you challenge me? Would you challenge all of us? What does a friendship and relationship look like in your kingdom and what would it look like to reach out to anybody and everybody? Would the vision of this hope-filled crazy zoo be a reality on this campus, both large and small. And Lord, I pray that you will do a work that they could not do on their own because you reign and rule on your holy mountain. I pray all this in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this episode of the John Brown University Chapel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and we'd love it if you would leave us a review.